What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I write for Boston.com. And tonight, instead of Nicole Yang, who was otherwise occupied by her job with the Boston Globe, I am joined by my good pal, Chris Grenham of Forbes. Grenham, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. That was a hell of a season opener. So we got a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, so we're obviously going to be talking about the Celtics 122 to 121 victory over the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, just an insane game all around. Really, really fun game down to the wire. Uh, if you somehow missed it and Geno time is your first chance to hear what happened. Uh, the Celtics had a 17 point lead going into the fourth quarter, um, promptly blew it all of it. Every, every last point, uh, the Bucks took a one point lead a couple of times, um, Celtics fought back, but the Bucks had a one-point lead uh, as time wound down. Jason Tatum hit a crazy banked-in sort of sidestep three over Giannis Antetokounmpo with 0.4 seconds left. Giannis got fouled on the ensuing inbound, went one for two at the free throw line, and the Celtics are now 1-0. and Just madness. Absolute, uh, absolute madness. Madness. So, I mean, like, we can talk about, like, you know, just some of the stuff that happened at the end, just the events of the game, if we want. Um, but let's let's start with Tatum's performance because he called it terrible in his post-game uh, comments to TNT, uh, which I thought was kind of funny because the man had 30 points and the game winner. <laughs> um, he, I will say, you know, I never thought that he kind of took the game over in the way that he can do. J- Jalen Brown took the game over for yeah. a fairly lengthy stretch, actually. Um, he looked great, but let's talk about Tatum first. I mean, what stood out to you about his performance and where do you, uh, I guess kind of, where do you see him going from here as, you know, as he kind of gets back into the rhythm of things? I mean, I think it's a good, I thought it was a good performance. I definitely disagree with him saying that it was terrible, uh, because 30 points is, is good. Some might say, but I thought the longevity of the performances is, is kind of a good way to look at it. Look at it from a bird's eye view because he was kind of grinding early on. Like he was out of rhythm. He couldn't really get settled really throughout the first half. Honestly, he was just kind of choppy. And sometimes you get younger players, they're choppy early on. And that just kind of kills their whole game. He went through a lot of that young, uh, when he was younger, early portions of his career, he gets off to a bad start. It kind of derails the whole game. Obviously he doesn't really have that problem anymore. He's one of the best players in the league now, but I thought that was, a bright spot that he could kind of grind through those first couple quarters, 
he said it. He was like, I was kind of gassed. He said I was tired. You know, these guys are still getting their getting their sea legs under them. Short training camp, short preseason, short offseason. You know, they don't really have a lot under them. So I thought that was promising. Um, and just down the stretch, it's nice where even if a guy isn't really settled and is still kind of trying to find himself, they can turn to him late. And obviously he can step up with JV. So I, I thought it was a really, really awesome performance, but one of the grittier 30 point performances I think we've gotten out of Tatum. Yeah, I think that's right. He, so he had a, a 39% usage tonight. So he was, you know, he was very, you know, certainly the focal point. Uh, yeah. Those are like 39% usage is just a, you know, a couple smidge below uh, James Harden. So that, yeah. that, that's, that's real high. <clears throat> um, and, and I mean, I just thought like, I think, I think gritty is a, a good way to, to put it. Like he did just kind of grind his way to a lot of points. I thought one thing that was really interesting about his performance was Brad Stevens was asked, you know, why he only played. So he only played 32 minutes, uh, yeah. 33 minutes. And Brad was asked, you know, like why he held Tatum out in the, in the first half, if it was kind of an injury thing. Um, but no, it was just like the, the team was playing really well without him. And one thing that happened tonight that has like, I mean, never happens with Jason Tatum is the Celtics were a net negative with him on the floor. Like, yeah the Celtics are always like, like astronomically in the positives when he's on the floor. And then they weren't tonight. They were, they were better without him. And obviously I don't think that means that this year's Celtics team is better without Jason Tatum, but I do think it speaks to how well some of the other guys played, which I think is fascinating because in the preseason, I mean, the Celtics looked bad start to finish in the preseason, Yeah, but they looked especially bad whenever Tatum was off the floor. So I think the Celtics can take some real encouragement from the fact that like, look, I, I don't think that they're going to continue to be better with Jason Tatum off the floor, but the fact that they were tonight, like, yeah, they've got guys who can get buckets. They've got guys who can play defense and all of those guys kind of showed that tonight. So I, I think that's a major positive for them. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I thought the Celtics were going to get whacked tonight because of those non-Tatum minutes. Like, I was looking up and down this rotation saying, all right, who are, who are they going to turn to without without Tatum? And there were some stretches early on where the non-Tatum minutes were a bit of a problem. But overall, like you said, they were able to hang in and stay afloat and even at times go on little runs led by Jalen Brown and and company Jeff Teague. Semi Ojale stepped up pretty well. <laughs> Um, Euro stepping in transition, which I never thought I would ever say, but that is a huge, huge thing to see out of the gates. I mean, for the Celtics, the fact that they can rely on some of those guys to come in in those non-Tatum minutes because the major concern was the lack of depth for the Celtics. And what are they going to do when Tatum's off the floor? And hey, I mean, Jalen Brown is the second in command here, right? And with especially when Kemba's out. And so the fact that when Tatum was off the floor tonight, you could have him running a lot of pick and rolls, even when Tatum was on the floor, he was running pick and rolls, but like he did a nice job facilitating on a lot of possessions tonight, which is going to be a, a big time step forward. And if he can kind of serve as that add, you know, additional playmaker, especially when Tatum's not on the floor, that's going to be massive for this team. I also thought Marcus smart was pretty good in his role tonight. This is kind of going off on a tangent, but he talked about a shot selection earlier in the week. He only had three points, but he had seven assists. He only took three shots. That's not a very common Marcus Smart line. So I don't know. I think I think guys really, really were able to step up and kind of fill the roles that Brad Stevens wanted them to, especially when Tatum was off the floor. 
yeah, Smart had a 3.5 assist to turnover ratio. Like, that's very good. Like, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you, I mean, he was exactly what the Celtics needed him to be. And I, I think 100%. That, and we, and we, we can get into him in a minute. I, I did want to go back to Jalen for a second because, I mean, imagine saying all of the things that you just said about Jalen Brown two years ago. Yeah, like, it would never happen. You, you, like, you couldn't even see it. Like, I mean, right. I, I remember the first couple of games last year when we just realized that he had something of a handle now. And it was such a revelation because he was so loose with the ball his first two seasons in the league. And now, yeah. I mean, like he's not, he's snaking pick and rolls. And I, I can never remember what it's called when you like do the thing where you keep the defender on your hip or on your. Yeah. You slow like, down and the defender. Yeah, comes yeah, like, I don't like know what the word term for it. And I can't yeah. It is, but, yeah. But he did um, that multiple times really well. Well, a bunch of times. Yeah. yeah. He scored off it a couple of times. It's just such a useful move. And I mean, it's, yep. you think about somebody like Jalen who, if he does that move and he gets the guy on his hip and then he explodes the other way, one, he's going to jump so far. The guy has no chance of defending right. it. And two, he's six foot six. So like, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's such a useful move for him. And then I think, you know, the, the other thing about Jalen is he has always been so comfortable in the mid range. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. And I, I just think that like, you know, the, being able to utilize that is really, really important. You know, the Celtics, um, you know, the, like they have a lot of very efficient players, you know, who are going to hit threes and who are going to try to get to the rim and who are going to do all the right things. But like we've seen time and time again that like it's, it's really important that your best players can score everywhere. And that includes mid-range because because that's yeah. where the pick and roll defense is the weakest. And that's why I think it was so important to see Jalen getting into that mid-range and scoring there because that's kind of the step for him where he goes from a really good athletic wing to a guy who can kind of create everything. Um, so yeah, I, I, thought that was, I thought that was really important and, and really interesting to see. I mean, that kind of patience in the pick and roll, like you were talking about where he can get the defender on his hip, slow down in the mid range. He can probably take advantage of that move better than anyone else because of that size and athleticism combination. Like he could just explode downhill at someone in the blink of an eye more so than most players in the NBA, honestly. So the fact that he can be patient as the ball handler in a pick and roll situation like that is like you said, nowhere where I thought we were going to be like, I did not expect this at all as of last year, but Hey, it's a major step forward for the Celtics. And especially when Tatum's off the floor, that's, that's going to be huge. And I will say too, I don't, I mean, I'm not necessarily expecting Jalen Brown to, you know, score 30 points a game this year or anything like that. But I mean, I, I just think like the combination of his three point shooting, which is certainly good enough for teams to respect it. Um, the, you know, the fact that he can get to the rim and he's so athletic around the rim. And I think he's really progressed as a finisher. Um, and then, and then the pick and roll stuff too. It's just, it's, it's, it's going to be really important. I, I also wanted to real quick on Tatum. Does it feel to you like he just needs to get more, like, I, I sound like such a boomer saying this, but like, <laughs> does it sound, does it feel to you? Like you just like, like use the glass, dude. Like when you get to the, like, Especially early on, you do, you do. <laughs> just use the backboard. Use, just use the backboard, man. Like I feel like a lot of times when he gets to the rim, I feel like you know he misses some of these layups, and I'm just like, why didn't you just bank that in, man? Like, hey, he what? used the backboard when it counted. Isn't that? Shouldn't that be enough? <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't that be enough tonight? Like out of all nights to complain that he's not using the backboard, you choose tonight. <laughs> it's a strong point, but it was just funny in the first quarter. Like I felt like a lot of his layups, like 
Like he just, it was like, he couldn't decide whether or not. No, to I do. It's like that weird in between. Like, yeah, yeah, you should use it. Just yeah. hit it. Like, yeah. Then you'll make your layup. But. It's that awkward in between that a lot of guys end up in. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do agree. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, just kind of going through some of the other stuff. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Brad started two bigs tonight. Yeah. Uh, he said that was in part because he was, I mean, he sounded like he was still pretty mad at the defense in those yeah. first couple of games. Like he did not sound happy about that at all. Um, but I mean, I thought, you know, especially against the Bucks, Tice and Thompson makes a lot of sense. Curious if he'll stick with that. I think that like Jeff Teague is making a case for himself in the starting yeah. lineup, but I mean, you know, even if he doesn't go, you know, a hundred for a hundred from three point range this year, but um yeah, I, I was interested in that look. I, I thought it, I thought it worked pretty well um, with those two guys against the Bucks. And, and I mean, look, I, I thought Thompson was great. Yeah, I mean, Thompson didn't look like he was limited really at all. And I think that that two big lineup makes a lot of sense against a team like the Bucks. And they could go matchup by matchup. Maybe if they're going up against a smaller team, they could run Teague into the starting lineup if need be. They can kind of play it by ear with that. Teague was, well, I'm sure we'll get to him, but Teague was great tonight once again. I did like the Thompson. Tice pairing Tice looked pretty confident along the perimeter early on. He had a couple threes right off the bat. And if you can have defenses, you know, basically being forced to pay attention to him as the four in that starting lineup, I mean, that'd be huge. Um, but yeah, Thompson looked great. And, and again, if against so the uh, missed his next four. Yes. Me. Yes. But, but we're, we're looking on the positive side of things here. Um, and I mean, if, if, you know, you, again, if you are matched up against a bigger lineup, like the, like the Bucks, I think that's probably right now their best starting lineup. I, I don't, I don't think going with Teague against the Bucks would make um, sense. But against smaller teams, it would. I mean, Teague looks way better than I expected. I was kind of expecting him to look a step slow, maybe not shoot the ball as well. He's been really, really good. I mean, the thing with Teague is like two things with Teague that have always been the case. One, he has always been like a guy who could be really good if he like yeah. seemed motivated. And I wonder, I mean, he has talked uh, like a pretty fair amount about how much he respects Brad Stevens and how much he appreciates Brad for sort of like getting his career back on track when he was in high school and how he was, you know, failing all these classes. And then yeah. Brad came in and was like, like, came into like a recruiting meeting. and was just like, and told his father, like, hey, he's going to have to get his grades up if he wants to play division one basketball. And like, the, I, I think that like, you know, that it might be something where he wants to, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of wanted to play for Brad Stevens. Um, yeah. And then, the, I mean, the other thing, too, is just like, yeah, I think I just think like the Celtics needed somebody who could create buckets. And as such, Teague has kind of a green light that point guards really yeah. seem to appreciate. I mean, Brad Stevens has always been a point guard coach, like point guards play really well for him, I think, partly because his offense is like so read and react. So just like, you know, like make a decision. It gives point guards a lot of freedom. I mean, Teague is a good player. Like he can score. And yeah. like, he's always been able to score. It's just kind of been a matter of whether he's asked to or not. And on this team, yeah. his job is really easy. Like, honestly, his job is just like, Hey, when you come in, get buckets, man, there's going to be other <laughs> yeah. people who can play make like he has to even, love his role coming off the bench. Yeah. Right? It's, it's right? such an ideal little role. And uh, so, I mean, I, obviously I don't think he's going to be this good all year. I mean, if he's this good all year, like, I mean, he's going to be in the starting lineup very soon, but like, yeah, I think he could, I think he could start against some teams. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he started against Brooklyn, um, mm -hmm. you know, for example, like, and, and that, and that's for two reasons. Like one, he's good. And two, I think, you know, like 
he's not a good defender, but with the other Celtic starters with smart Jalen, you know, Jason and Tice, or you can kind of hide him a little bit. You can hide him. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that makes more sense for him. I don't know. So I, I, I could see that kind of happening too, but I thought, I think against, against bigger teams, against the bucks, against, you know, maybe, maybe your Denver's or, you know, other teams like that who get the Lakers certainly. Yeah. I think we saw tonight, the two big lineup is, you know, kind of feasible. Yeah. And I, I back to Teague real quick with the motivation factor. I think he, he's also happy to just be in a winning situation. He was caught in kind of a crappy spot last year. And he mentioned that a lot in his first couple media availabilities, basically saying like, I kind of, I wanted to win, even if it meant maybe having a, a tiny bit of a reduced role, I wanted to win because I haven't been in a winning situation in a, in a while. So I think that that does make a lot of sense. I know, uh, Jeff Battle, who is an assistant coach at Providence, he recruited him to go to Wake Forest. And he was talking the other day about how when he was last talking to Teague about a week ago, he was just fired up to be in a winning situation and a spot where he can actually come in and do that. So I'm sure that plays a role too. The other thing about running those two big lineups is you do worry about getting back in transition because that was a problem early on. And so yeah. you, you know, the, the Bucks are just a, a super good team, but if you get against a quicker lineup, like you, you run the risk of having those easy runouts if you've got guys like Tyson Thompson playing together and, and not as quick of a lineup, I guess you could say. Because that was a that was ugly early on. It was really ugly. And I think yeah. that's especially a problem with somebody like Thompson whose first yeah. instinct is to go for every offensive rebound. And right. I mean that was that was just death. And especially against yeah, like you said, against a team like the Bucks where like Giannis is you know, was Thompson's assignment a lot of the time. Like, yeah, yeah. you can't go for offensive rebounds when you're not as Giannis, even though that's something that Thompson is really, really good at. Um, right. And Giannis can, he'll get the ball. To, I mean, DiVincenzo is already at the other free throw line, but the time Giannis gets the ball, it's. I mean, Drew Holiday was like, that. that's, that's how my, I, I have a, I have a 2K character who's just so good at this point that like <laughs> he was playing the way the Drew Holiday plays where it's just like, he just runs straight ahead and gets layups. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just blow stuff. through people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. Offer valid through December 31. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I was really impressed with Thompson. I, I think he's going to be a, a, a really good fit on this team. I, I kind of think he's going to take Tice's starting spot. Like I think so, a, too. He's just, I mean, he's just a more classic center. And, like, Tice is a good player, and Tice has done a lot of really impressive stuff with the Celtics. I mean, the fact that he won that starting job so convincingly last year and played it so well, I mean, that, that's right. impressive for a guy, you know, who was only in his second you know, like, like, like his second NBA season and, and, you know, who played overseas for so long, like that, that was really impressive. But I mean, Thompson is just, he is a, he's a pro, like he is just a professional big man. I also yeah. appreciated him shouting out big men in his. Me uh, too. I was just about to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> it was very I thought funny. he also, like, it was funny because he was shouting out big men, shouting out his kind, almost basically saying, you know, us bigs got to stick together, but he also made some pretty valid points of that saying, like, you look at the teams who are in it down the stretch and who are sticking in it down the stretch and succeeding, they've got their true bigs. And you kind of, he was basically saying, you need us. Like you can't, you can't survive without us. And I was sitting back. I was like, you know, he's, he's got a point. He's got a point. Uh, Just to, just to read the quote, uh, which you can also find in my five takeaways on boston.com. Big men know how to adapt. Big men know how it can make plays. You guys always talk about small ball, but you saw what happened to the Houston Rockets when they played against the Lakers. So the small ball stuff is good, but when it comes down to the playoffs, you need real bigs to win games. And you go look at all those teams that are competing at a high level for a championship. They play their bigs when it matters. So I'm always going to rep the bigs. DT is always going to rep the bigs. So I'm always going to stand with my big guys across the league. Like, see, yeah, he's not wrong. He's right. He's right. Like, <laughs> I mean, think about if the Celtics had played the Lakers in the finals last year, I think that they would have probably pushed them to like, you know, I don't think they would have gotten swept. Like the Lakers were yeah. really good, but I, mean, I think they would have, you know, they would, I think they would have lost. And I think a big part of the reason they would have lost is because I don't think they had any answer for Anthony Davis. None. Imagine what damage like NBA finals, Anthony Davis would have done to the Celtics. Like he was, he was on one, like in the finals and he's Celtics fans should be thankful that they didn't have to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not thankful that they, you know, blew like three games to the heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I wasn't mean, the greatest. Wasn't the greatest. <laughs> but AD would have just ripped them apart. And, like, oh, yeah. I don't think that, like, Thompson is the answer for Anthony Davis, but he is a big man. He is, like, a real one, a real center who can who can move better than a lot of centers and who, who can do all of the centery things. I just think that's going to be a big, uh, a big boost for the Celtics. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. A um, couple other guys I wanted to touch on uh, – before we get into some just kind of overall stuff, I, I thought Grant Williams had some nice moments. Um, you know, like he, he had, you know, kind of a tough role. I mean, he had to guard Giannis sometimes, uh, but he did hit a three. He did force Giannis into a turnover. And I just think yep. like there is a level of professionalism with Grant, even at this stage where he only played like 14 minutes. He wasn't like a super high impact player on this game, but like, you feel okay about Grant Williams minutes in a way that I think a lot of you don't necessarily about a lot of second year players um, in Grant's situation. So, yeah, I think that's why you see Brad give him minutes in, in various 
like crucial situations throughout the season. And Brad doesn't do that a lot with a lot of younger guys, but he's got that veteran edge to him almost like, I don't know. He's, he, he, he doesn't seem like a second year player. So I, I totally agree. And he's going to come in and fill his role. And he kind of, he just kind of gets it. Definitely. Yeah. And then I also thought that uh, Shemi had some really like Shemi was great. He was really good today and it wasn't, and it was not the usual bucks Shemi situation where it's like, Oh, he like did okay against Giannis. It was like, no, he like legitimately had a Euro step in transition. Yep. Uh, I think he made like at least one three. Um, he had that like really nice pass. Uh, yeah. Like he played. he had a nice all around game, which we rarely see from Chevy. You're right. Like when they play the Bucks, you're like, all right, he defended or like kept Giannis under wraps like a decent amount. He and he went like two for five from three, but that was not the case tonight at all. He had like a very nice all around game. He passed the ball pretty well. He, I cannot get over the, the Euro step in transition. Like when he, my jaw dropped when I saw that. Cause I've never, that was, someone tweeted it. I, someone on the beat tweeted it, but that was one of the best drives he's had in a Celtics uniform. And that's not an exaggeration. That's like without question, one of the best drives he's had in a Celtics uniform. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he was great tonight. That, those were some major, major minutes. He was, he was really solid, especially in the, especially in the, uh, I think it was the, I'm trying to look through my notes here. Maybe it was the third quarter. I don't even, I don't even know. If, I don't know when it was. He had some really nice minutes. No, it was in the second quarter. I think his best record was in the second quarter. Second quarter. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, those were, those were a lot of non Tatum minutes too. He had like yeah. a five minute stretch with Tatum off the floor. And I think the Celtics went on a little run. JB Jalen Brown helped out a lot as well, but but that was uh, yeah that was not that a Shemi Ojale run, but he was is, good during Jalen. No, no 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 no, that was a Shemi Ojale run. <laughs> that Euro step made it a Shemi Ojale run. No, I mean the impressive thing about that run for Jalen was just that like he had he had really struggled in the early going to, to right. find anything, and then that little stretch there, it was like oh, okay, Jalen's Jalen has arrived. So. Yeah, yeah. Also, another thing about that stretch in the second quarter, real quick was I thought that was a, a point where Tristan Thompson's kind of veteran leadership stuck out a little bit because he is like barking out orders when yeah. he's on the floor post whistle during the game. Like it's very, very clear that, like you said before, he's like a pros pro he's been there before and guys perk up and they listen to him when he's kind of barking at him. So I think that's going to be really big for this team going forward, especially if he's running minutes with the, with the second unit. Definitely. Um, thought it was interesting. So I think we got a, a real glimpse into how hard this is going to be for the rookies. Like, so Peyton Pritchard played 13 minutes. Um, he finished one for four. He made a really deep three. Um, you know, happy for him that he got his first NBA bucket. Um, genuinely like, I, you know, no, no snark. That's never good. When you're starting talking about a rookie's game, he said, I'm happy for him that he got his bucket. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think it's nice to, to, to get, you know, your first bucket, your first game. Like that's, that's no, 100%. a hundred percent. Yeah. But there uh, is a buck coming. He was lost. Like he had no idea where he was supposed to be. And it was just like, it was pretty obvious. I mean, a couple of times defensively, he like, you could tell that he didn't totally know what the rotation was supposed to be. And as a result, he got switched on to Giannis. And it was just like, yeah. like this poor guy has got Kevin Durant just dropping three oh, like, right man. on his tiny six foot one head. <laughs> and then he has Giannis just being the biggest human on earth. And like, he was running. That was so 
unfair. Like I did not, as, as I consider myself one of the leaders of the Peyton Pritchard train and having Giannis just barrel down court in transition and Peyton running around like a chicken with its head cut off, get caught in front of him and basically just like throw his arms up as Giannis runs him over. That hurt me to watch happen. It well, was, think, he was lost defensively for most of the time he was out there. And I think too, like poor Pritchard, like give him like a few months or maybe next year. And like, he's probably going to be in position and try to take a charge there because I think he's probably. that type of player. He's like, a, yeah. you know, he's he plays hard like we he saw does. and he's a pesky he, defender too he when he's in the right spot pesky. yeah yeah exactly and he was diving for a couple loose balls today but i think you're right i think the the concern is on the defensive end and you talked about that after they drafted him because yeah he's he's got good size compared to tremont waters and carson edwards who are very very tiny and he's not the most athletic guy and so defensive adjustments are the hardest for any rookie coming into the league, no matter if you're the first pick or the 30th. Um, but I think that's going to take a while. He was pretty lost offensively too. Like there was a couple, he was scrambling a little bit offensively with the ball, but I'm, I'm worried much that more. Possession where he just dribbled. He was just dribbling. Like dribbled, oh, he was killing dribbled. ants for like 20 seconds. And he wasn't, he wasn't trying to dribble out the clock to shoot. No, he just didn't know he where he was didn't going. know what to do. He, he did not know what he was doing. He, that was me playing freshman basketball in high school. Like I, I knew I could dribble, but I didn't really know where to go with the ball. So I would just kind of run as fast as I can around with the ball. I'm not, I, I actually have some confidence that he'll be able to be a useful point guard for you know a four minute stint if you need him to come in and run the offense if there's injuries or foul trouble or whatever down the line we're not really there yet we're not quite there yet and maybe it was a little bit of the I don't want to say starstruck but like it's his first game he's just a little frazzled yeah Uh, but yeah he was he was scrambling quite a bit tonight (laughs) that possession was one of the funniest things (laughs) oh my god I I was watching it I just kind of put my put my face in my hands and uh, you know, it the nice thing about the nice thing about having COVID well, and uh, <laughs> just being at home um, and, and watching these games from home is that like, I watch Peyton dribble around and I, I can like say to my computer, like, Oh buddy, thinking. you should probably pass that. You, yeah, you, you should not be still dribbling. You what are you doing, doing this? <laughs> Whereas, like if I was on press row and I was like saying that, or, like I feel like I'd be getting some weird looks. Yeah. But, uh, but did, fortunately, it, didn't, uh, it, it didn't surprise you though, that it, at least it, I don't think it surprised me um, that he got minutes before Neesmith. I think. Yeah. I that think, seems to be the case. Yeah. I think that was kind of expected, right. Coming into tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> It makes you wonder a little bit uh, how, how the Celtics are feeling about, you know, the draft situation when yeah. you know, the, number, the number 14 pick, you know, like I, I, at the time I thought the Celtics draft was fine. I still do. Um, mm. But, you know, like you, you drafted a guy at 14, partly based on fit, right? Like you yeah. drafted him because you wanted a guy who was going to fit your system and be able to help out soon. And I, I wonder to an extent if Danny is going <clears> to, <throat> I was actually going <laughs> to, I was actually going to talk to you about this on like a draft episode at some point. Yeah. I was wondering if, I wonder if Danny regrets at all making a a, a fit pick in the year where none of the rookies were going to be ready. Like that just like, you normally make a fit pick if you want to plug a guy right in. Exactly. It's a tough year to do that. And you just can't, you can't plug anybody this year. Like we've, we've watched, I mean, look, 
Like, James hey, Wiseman. Hey, I tried. I I tried. To, I tried to tell him. I tried to tell him who the guy was to plug and play, and they <laughs> and they didn't they didn't listen to me. So don't say I didn't try anything and and try to give Danny some advice. Has Has Sadiq played yet? I don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> I, Detroit's a sad situation. It, it's talk about bad landing spot. I mean, uh, it's uh, that is unfair. That made me very very sad. Let's see how many minutes he got. Um, he might not have played. <laughs> DNP. DN. Oh man, DNP Sadiq. That's no. Stop. Stop. We're no, not doing that. We're not, here, man. We're not doing that. He. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Sadiq Bay did not play. Okay, we're gonna cut this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're not because I have my DNP Sadiq joke in there, and that's gonna stay. So fuck that joke. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's. Uh, I do agree with you. There, there could definitely be some regret there for for drafting by fit. Not because Neesmith is gonna be a bad player or anything no. like that. But but I wonder too, like, you know, we watched like Pokusevsky have like, you know, nice preseason games and like look like a real player. And I wonder a little bit, like maybe you should have just taken on the project since they were probably weren't going to play that much this year anyway. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I always, it's easy to play kind of Monday morning quarterback with the draft, but it's hard not to go that direction right now. Again, I don't think Neesmith is going to be a bad player at all. No, I think but, he's going to be very and I think and I think it was a fine pick. But was it the pick? Was it the right pick for what they were looking for him to do in the short term? Maybe, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. So I think that does it for like kind of going through the guys. I'm curious before we go here. I, I did want to uh, I did want to get your your thoughts on this. I'm curious if this game, because obviously the preseason games made us all wonder if the Celtics were going to be like tanking for Cade Cunningham. Bad, yeah. Like they looked awful. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if this game has given you any more confidence in the Celtics before Kemba comes back. Because I think that that iteration of the Celtics actually matters quite a bit, both because they're going to need to win some games early on and because we just don't know how much Kemba the Celtics are going to have this year. So I'm curious, like, if this game gave you any more confidence on them. Yeah, I think it definitely does. Like, I did not have a lot of confidence at all coming into this, at least the first stretch, right? Because this is a pretty tough set of games, especially the first two. Um, but I just didn't really tr- have any trust in the depth. I didn't really have any trust in the non-Tatum minutes in a non-Kemba lineup. Uh, so I had some legitimate concerns, and I – was not very confident going in. So yeah, this game definitely gave me some reassurance that they might be okay. They might be able to stay afloat because they're probably not going to have Kemba a lot this year, realistically. And when he does come back, he's not going to play back to backs and all, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of issues even when he comes back. So the fact that it looks like Jalen Brown is taking some significant steps forward as a playmaker in the pick and roll and otherwise, and you have guys like Jeff Teague who are, at least in my mind, already exceeding my expectations uh, for what he could do off the bench. Like Shemi isn't going to do that every night, but if he can provide you with a little spark like that, like there are definitely, definitely good things happening um, in this bench unit and otherwise in the starting lineup too. So the fact of the matter is, is I didn't have a lot of confidence going in. So yes, it, it added plenty of confidence. And I think they're going to be in much better shape than I thought. Where do, uh, where do you stand after, 
after because I mean this is also a very good opponent. So the fact that they could do this against a team like the Bucks is reassuring too. But where do you stand after one game? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think similarly. Like, I mean, look, I, <laughs> I, w- I was pretty low on them after the preseason, and, and yeah. I, but I will say that one one of my um, defenses to you know for the Celtics to, to Nicole was that like because she's was very low on them after the preseason. Yeah. Was that look like I don't think that I, I did not I did not think that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had forgotten how to play basketball and they're both very good and going to be you know better this year even than they were last year which right. is quite a bit so um you know I, I think the thing is that like yes this is a good team I still think that their ceiling um, depends very heavily on Kemba Walker's ceiling because if he can be an All Star quality point guard this year and if he's healthy for the playoffs then I think this team can make some noise. And if he can't, then I think their ceiling is probably like a second round team. And like, cause I mean, even yeah. if like, this was a good win for them and it, you know, they took a 17 point lead and they were play, you know, they were for a long, long stretches. They were just balling. Like they were really good. But um, when it came down to it, they needed a banked three at the buzzer <laughs> yeah. and they needed Giannis to miss one of two free throws at the right. buzzer. So like, realistically they probably should have blown this game in a very similar way to the games that they blew in the bubble and 100%. it just happened to bounce their way this time who knows how much that will happen and and maybe a healthy Kemba Walker means that they don't need that extra bounce and I, I think that's very plausible um but I think that's the right way to look at it yeah 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 I mean because because yeah like right now this team goes as far as Tatum takes them and that's probably still the case when Kemba comes back but that ceiling and how far he actually can take them goes a lot higher when well, I think comes back in that lineup. I think that's right I mean I almost look at it in a different way where it's like yeah the team goes as far as like Tatum will take them it's it's more so that like the foundation of this team is built on Tatum and yeah that's so a good almost, way to it's almost that, you know, he's the foundation and everybody else is the ceiling so if that's a better else, way to that's a better way to phrase it yeah because he really, at this point, he really is the building block for everything. Hundred so. percent. Yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm stealing that. That's good. Okay. <laughs> <I'm with it. laughs> also, the I we briefly briefly touched on it, but Marcus Smart kind of adjusting his role yeah. a little bit. I don't. It'll be interesting to see how that continues moving forward. Because if he can play, like there are nights he doesn't do it intentionally, of course, but there are nights where he can just kind of take hold of the offense and it just goes off the tracks and he's just, you know, suddenly he's got nine, three point attempts in in three quarters and he's hit two of them. And it's just kind of a mess. If he could play that facilitator role and be much more selective with his shot selection, like that could go a really long way. I agree. I, I thought, you know, it's funny. He, he played like a perfect game tonight and yeah. he talked and, and that's not because he didn't shoot because I don't think that Marcus needs to be a player who just never shoots. Like right. he can certainly score. It's just that yeah. what he did tonight is he looked around and he saw Jalen Brown going off and he saw Jeff Teague hitting everything he threw up at the rim. And he saw Jason Tatum existing as Jason Tatum. And he said, I should probably get those guys the ball. That's yeah. perfect point guard play. And yeah. what the Celtics need from him is to be a playmaking point guard right now. So, I mean, I, I thought that he played a phenomenal game and I thought that he was everything that the Celtics like hoped he would be. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just think that matters a great deal. So, I mean, yeah. if he continues to do that, uh, I think the Celtics will be in good shape. We're in agreement there for sure. Another takeaway, I the, the Celtics 
have like immense, immense trouble with inbound defending inbound passes with less than a second left. Like yeah. that is that is such a problem. <laughs> it's because it's always going to be a close game when you're trying to defend it that closely. I mean, that was kind of hilarious. Another uh, takeaway I had, you had a very good tweet. That 17-point lead disappeared faster than a $600 stimulus check. I literally, I wrote in my notes, I copied and pasted the tweet, and I said, good tweet, Tom. <laughs> so, that, was, that was good. That was another takeaway I had. That one, uh, that's, that's one of those tweets where you send it, and before it hits the timeline, you turn around to the bench. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so Nicole and I are not going to have for everybody listening, Nicole and I are not going to have an episode after the Christmas day game because it's Christmas day. Um, so this will be the last time that Gino time talks to you before the holidays. So for everyone who celebrates Merry Christmas for everyone else, happy holidays. And we will talk to you all again over the weekend. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.